Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I am your host for today, Ryan Treasure, and I want to give a big shout out to all the listeners out there who've been tuning in since 2016 when we started this uh, this this party, this ride we call Finding Your Frequency, and oh, so many awesome people have we spoken to over the years uh, and, and allowed them to tell their story to all of you guys, and I hope that you're getting something out of the show because uh, I know I get something out of it every time we do one of these shows, and uh, we get a... A, a very, very important show today because, you know, we're going to talk about something that's like one of the most important topics I think that's uh, uh, we've ever talked about on the show because uh, it's the building blocks of life. We're going to talk about water today. Right. We're going to talk about water. We're going to talk about some uh, water for mercy mission uh, that's going on uh, uh, in Africa and all the different things that this nonprofit is doing. Um, but then secondly, we're going to find out how an awesome human being found her frequency in life and in business and found a way to uh, really help uh, uh, underserved communities and provide them with the most important thing anybody could ever have is water. You know, one thing that always bugs me is that I have to pay my water bill, like, cause I live in the city and I have to pay this water bill. And I feel like water is like a fundamental human, right? Like I shouldn't have to pay for water. I should be able to go in my backyard and drill for a well. And I can have my own water. That's not treated with chemicals or, you know, chlorine or, you know, whatever other stuff the city decides to put in your water, fluoride, all that stuff. Uh, but we'll get into that some more uh, a little bit later on in the show. I just kind of wanted to tease some of the things that we'll be talking about later. If you guys are listening on uh, your favorite pod uh, casting application, please make sure to give us a, give us a share to all your friends. And of course, give us a nice five star rating because we are five star human beings bringing five star content. Uh, so definitely. So let's not uh, let's not wait any longer here as we have our guest waiting in the background. Uh Nermine Rubin, uh, she's got an MBA and an MHS. She's uh, got this Masters of Health Science or some big giant NB, lots of letters behind her name. She's been to university uh, where she worked in the hospital field as an administration facilities planning uh, for 15 years. And then all of a sudden she decided that she was going to go do something different. So I want to welcome uh, Nermine to the show. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's Nermeen. I could be very mean. You could uh, mention that to my kids. They will agree and concur. So if that helps you. Thank you. Thank uh, but you. Thanks. It's so I'm delighted to be here and I'm excited to tell you about water and the reason why I kind of got got into something that it's way outside my uh, field of uh, expertise. You're, you're so, just way underwater, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Always trying oh to bring goodness. a little comedic relief to the show. Uh, you know, first, before we get into, uh, you know, the Water for Mercy mission uh, and all the different things that you're doing in that space, um, I want to I kind of back up because, you know, a, a person who's highly educated, um, you know, with your Master's of Health uh, Science from uh, Florida and then also your years in a hospital administration. And, you know, you had this 15-year-long career that you had established yourself in. And, you know, I know that 15 years years in a career, you know, you're really working hard and grinding and trying to, you know, move up the ladder, so to speak, and to get into a position of, uh, you know, making more money, being a leader, you know, those types of things. Um, and then all of a sudden you decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go do something else and I'm going to go help an entire country. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, it's very similar to being an entrepreneur, right? You're like an entrepreneur of this, uh, of this, uh, 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 nonprofit that you have. And, 
you know, I always I always talk about walking the plank of uncertainty, right? Because you, you kind of like like a pirate ship because my last name is Treasure, so I always had to have some kind of pirate reference or something, right? So you walk that plank right into the water of the unknown. You don't know this this new space, you know, um, being hospital administration and then navigating 501c3 nonprofit status and filing all the paperwork and the things that need to be done to do that. Um, I'm sure that your administration facilities plan Planning helped a lot with being able to accomplish those things. So that's fantastic. But kind of walk us through, you know, what what led you to, you know, leaving your administration facilities planning position um, and, and starting Water for Mercy. How did you find your frequency in that space? Okay, but first of all, I am going to say that there is a gap missing in there because I opted to leave healthcare administration when I had my second baby. I had my two kids within 14 months. I'm kind of one of these people, if I'm going to do something, I jump in and do it and I focus (laughs) on it. So if I'm going to have kids, I'm not going to be a mom for, you know, or have little kids at the house all the time. So I'm like, in and out. So hey, I feel you on that because you know my wife and I uh, we had babies late, right? Uh, when we were thirty two and thirty three, and so well, us too. Yeah, we were like, and then <laughs> yeah. I, I, we had we had we had one. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. And then I was like, man. I, you don't want to be I, doing this no, when you're in your 60s. No, and I, yeah. I, look, I look at the calendar and I was like, I'm going to be like 50 when my kid graduates high school, right. and I'm like. This isn't, no, yeah. this isn't going to work for me. I don't think I'm going to have any more right. children. <laughs> so, so basically, I had my first baby, my daughter, Samantha, which we'll get back to her in a minute because she's the one who had me do this. Anyways, and then my once I had my son, 14 months later, boom, I my career, which I tended to travel a lot at the, at the time I ended up getting into consulting. Thank God we were able for me to not uh, rely on my income. And my my husband said, we'd rather have you stay home and raise the kids rather than me still travel in my career and have an aunt. So for about that 15 year time frame, I was mommy. So I kind of like to say like on my LinkedIn, I think I, my, my title is super mom. <laughs> so, you know, and, and thank goodness I was able to do that uh, where I had a lot of the other kids uh, in the neighborhood and, and schools and stuff. So it was a true blessing. And through the blessings of my kids, my daughter, ever since she was eight years old, kept saying, I want to go to Africa and volunteer with the orphans. And I'm like, no way. I'm not a third world country kind of girl. Uh -uh. I like the pillow and I like the mint and I like hot running water and, you know, et cetera. And she kept asking me since eight years old. And when she was 15 years old, what had happened during that time frame is I was getting a little, I was getting more spiritually closer to God and I was getting closer to God's heart and my logo is a heart and truly looking back, I realized that through my daughter, God was touching my heart and when she was 15 years old, when she asked me for the umpteenth time, I heard myself say yes to her surprise and to my surprise and I'm like, wow, for some reason, I am t- my, my heart was touched, I need to say yes. And that was the beginning, okay? And that mm-hmm. was the beginning in 2015. And I like to say, um, you, you know, kind of like what Pope Francis likes to say is we want to meet people or Jesus, we want to meet people where they are and then walk with them. And I think what, with me being a prima donna, not that I'm a prima donna, I like the luxuries of life. I like, you know, to have a bed and so forth. I was not ready for third world. So when we went, we stayed at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro and we were able to walk to the orphanage and we saw other people that that looked like us they spoke our language that we had dinner with that we stayed in a hotel it was not remote so you know and it kind of touched my heart and opened my heart to try to help others but it was a slow process and it was what I was able to handle so it wasn't a big huge jolt and I think different people work differently and in my case I think if I was jolted into third world which is where all my projects are today Dodoma in 2015 I would have turned around and said "Uh uh-uh no way I cannot handle this so at the time this we stayed for all summer with my daughter and you know we also had fun and you know my goodness what an experience hanging out with my daughter when she's 15 16 and in Africa it was awesome okay so then 
I became a lot more religious the next few years. And then, and I had also helped uh, support some organizations that we uh, saw were doing good in the Tanzania area where we saw. And my daughter now, she is 17, 18 in college, and she has uh, signed up to volunteer all summer in South Africa. Well, one of my priest friends found this out and said, oh my goodness, would she consider coming to Dodoma, this remote area, because one of the projects we were funding were these girls that we were we were funding them to go to school because they lived in such a remote area mm -hmm. they couldn't walk uh, you know they would be raped they would be killed they would be eaten by a hyena or a lion oh, you know geez. so we would fund these girls to go to these remote areas and they wanted her to come back to speak to these girls to empower them while me being mom's like ooh let me go there with you of course my daughter was upset I only joined her for three days and went on to visit my family in Egypt. Well, let me tell you, thank God I did, because this is when I think I got a big kick in the butt and and and, and the way my personality is, I'm, I'm from Egypt and I have that Mediterranean hot blood and when something bugs me, the hair in the back of my head, my, my neck stands up and it causes me to fight for justice. And I think what, what I, when I came back in 2017, that's basically what happened. So we came back uh, now in Dodoma, and just to tell you, Dodoma in 2017 was not what it is now. Dodoma now is considered a capital of Tanzania, which is great for the uh, government projects. However, you go outside of the city proper within two to three hours, it's extremely remote. You are still dealing with people that have to walk two, three hours to drink dirty water that is grosser than your brown desk that I wouldn't even feed to anybody that is alive, yeah. okay? Uh, so what happened is that when we were there, we met the families of these girls and they were so excited to show us our fa the families and what I saw was that despair and what caused the hair in the back of my neck to stand up is what I saw is that there were men. The men were all sitting around doing nothing and I saw all the women working and I'm like there was uh, and it was their eyes like the, the men had like given up. They were like what's the point and there was no longer that sense of dignity as a human and that's what caused the hair to go in the and first I was angry I was angry at the men and then the more research I did when I came back I realized that these men who are living in these remote areas of the villages because I'm like why aren't they working I'm gonna cross train them I'm gonna teach them to be mechanics engineers whatever and then you're like they can't do that. Why aren't they working? Because they are waiting for the rain and they are farmers and they are, they have animals, they have farmers, but apparently that year, it just so happened there was a drought and they had that despair. It, they, they not only couldn't drink, they had no food, but to me, what, what, what I saw was that giving up and and that made me angry at first because they put all the weight on the women and children but when I came back and prayed more and researched I, as you know I have two master's degree I delved in and I decided to figure out it was noble what we were doing with these girls lovely and don't get me wrong it's a noble thing to give kids an education which is what we're doing of course now however i at the time i knew i had to get to the root to the problem why are these guys deadbeats why have they lost dignity why aren't they being providers why aren't they humans why aren't they acting as a person of god okay well what i found out is there was a drought they they were waiting for the rain and that's all they were they have land but they can't farm well when I ended up researching uh, several months and praying and researching whatever I found out all about Israel's technology holy cow I don't know Ryan if you've ever been to Israel but let me tell you they are in the middle of the desert they are the desert but yeah. they aren't now 
They are the chosen people, okay? And these chosen people, God has given them the knowledge and innovation, and they have been able to turn the desert into a flourishing oasis. They are now abundant in water. They sell their water. They are abundant in produce. They are abundant in animal products, and they sell it. They sell it. I mean, abundant. And these guys started in 1948, and in just less than a hundred years holy cow they're like amazing yeah that that's that's absolutely amazing and i think um you know it's it's a testament to you know a lot of different things that have happened over the years to allow them to be able to tap into that water source go okay and what's interesting about what you said about the israel thing talk about you know i like to say planting seeds because now i'm all about water and agriculture and and interesting but you know at I didn't realize that six months ago, I met the author who wrote this New York Times bestseller book, Let There Be Water, Israel's Solution to the World That is Starved of Water. Is that crazy? Like, look at how God planted that seed. So when I was researching and I was praying to say, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? All of a sudden, I remembered, oh my goodness, don't I have technology so through reading this book I learned all about the water as well as their drip irrigation okay as well and and through that in in 2018 the reason why I founded water for mercy is I reached out to an Israeli NGO they are called innovation Africa they have a permanent solution and that is who I partnered with and that is what is our self-sustaining model to these villagers because with the uh, you know basically what what are we doing we are harnessing the, the sun the energy so we're using solar energy we are drilling deep down to the aquifer so when you asked me at the beginning yep. the question about purifying water we don't need to purify the water we are drilling down to the aquifer and guess what you typically hit sweet beautiful water you know most yeah, of the and time you know, and I, you know that, 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 that that's really important uh, no yes. no no need to apologize i just wanted to yes. chime in on that it's really important because you know um water is starting to become kind of almost like a commodity in some respects um uh, you know, there's uh, uh, a country in the Middle East that's digging out like all underneath their entire country so they can store water, um, you know. And so people are finally starting to understand the importance of water. And, um, you know, it's not, you know, as it's it's not, you know, never ending. You know, there there there, there could potentially be an ending supply of, of, of water at some point. Um, right. But, you know, drilling down into the aquifers, that's what I was talking about earlier. It's like, you know, I should be able to do that at my house if I want to, um, you know, and have a solar powered pump pumping water into my house. so I don't have to pay the city for water um, that's, you know, contaminated. And then you think about other countries, you know, like that, that's just us here in the United States, first world country, a lot of technology, infrastructure, all those kinds of things. But, you know, take it to the level of uh you know, places like Africa and people are, you know, having to drink muddy water and all that kind of stuff, uh, like you mentioned before. Right. And it's just, if they it, can it, find the water, yeah. it's muddy. Oh my God. And it doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't even make sense to me how, like, you know, there's no, there's not more governmental interference in making sure that the citizens have access to water. You know, like, why can't the government go out and drill some wells in some places so people can actually have some water? You know, that's well, the part, that's the part that, you, that's the part that I don't understand. Steps baby steps where that is another thing this is these are the little miracles that are that are happening because as we're doing these we've partnered with different coalitions now and we've got some government partners and uh we're uh, they're they're now putting in more infrastructure so this becomes a win-win-win and this is the beauty of bringing in israel is that now uh coming with israel not only do we have the israeli technology i now have have the backing of the Israeli uh, foreign ministry because they took notice of this and you know what what we're doing in Kenya we're bringing uh, we brought together this whole coalition and uh, emphasizing the need for the government 
to basically step it up. Okay. And, and I'll have to tell you kind of, and let me, let me kind of defend the reason why I'm saying this is because as I said, everybody looks at Israel as the model, right? Didn't you hear me say, wow, the chosen people, they turned the desert into this and this. Well, everybody think, wow, it's a miracle and every, and it is a miracle. However, they, they were very smart in the way they did it. Okay, so what did the government realize? The government realized is that the way they're going to make their citizens flourish is they have to provide roads and they have to provide water and they have to provide electricity and you provide the basics and guess what? They will then flourish. Well, that's kind of basically what the model of water for mercy is. I mean, not the road part, <laughs> honestly. We're, oh, we're, yeah. However, with now we're, we're trying to get more governments involved so that they can, they would be responsible for the infrastructure and do have the roads in so that Africa now can be raised on uh, uh, not so that it's basically at as a subsistence level, but so that they can flourish and that they can now compete against other countries in terms of exports and, and so forth. But you can never do that if it takes you three and a half hours to drive on a road um, that would take you normally not even 30, 40 minutes. I missed a flight in Ghana because of that. And, and it's deplorable that this is not provided, but, but, but that's just one thing. But what I'm saying is that infrastructure is very important. And right now you are right. Organizations like my partner, Innovation Africa, boots on the ground. They are the true boots on ground that are providing this infrastructure that you're right, the governments should be providing electricity through solar and water through our technology, okay? And slowly, slowly by when they see that their villagers and their citizens start flourishing and they can now be um, adding to the economy of the country, then what happens is the government now takes notice and then they're realizing that, wow, it is better, it is ideal for us to help these other remote areas as well. So as I'm saying, it becomes a win-win-win all around, but sometimes you need to jump in and do it and then after you do it and people watch how successful you are doing it, then they they model after it and you know yeah. sometimes you have to kind of prove it and then well, let people and that's call. and that's also servant leadership too you know you're stepping yes. up to the plate and you you're you're leading by example hey guys i want to pause the show for just a second because i want to talk about this really cool app called stereo i've been using it for a little while now and man it's pretty cool it's a live broadcast social platform that enables people to have real conversations in real time the app allows podcast creators to build an intimate relationship with their fan base by engaging them in direct conversations. Listeners can literally record a question, send it in while we're doing the live directly to us, and we can answer those questions and engage in real time. It's really cool. I've been using the app for a couple of weeks now. I've done a couple of variants uh, on it with some random people and I've met people. I've already got some followers. So it is a really cool application and there's so much diverse content on there. You'll always find something to listen to. Finding Your Frequency is excited to offer our listeners a new way to interact. Join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time for a live show on the Stereo app. You can download the free Stereo app and select Finding Your Frequency we're verified right there on stereo so you can connect with us whenever we're live. Stay tuned for more details on how to engage with us on stereo at the end of today's episode. Go to www.stereo.com forward slash radio Ryan one. Again, www.stereo.com forward slash radio Ryan one. Once you get in there, make sure you start following me. You'll start to check it out. And again, we got the shows that we're going to be doing every Friday at two o'clock. Pacific time on the stereo app. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about on finding your frequency all the time is, is servant leadership. And, you know, you can't expect somebody to step up to the table if you're not willing to step up to the table, even if it is, even if it is an entire country's government, right. Or whatever, the, right. you know, uh, uh, whatever the case may be, right. but you, right. you have to step up and, and, and make change, you know, it's the same right. way. And, and that's it's the same way about well, how I feel about veterans. You know, there's, yeah. you know, I yeah. like, 
you know, and I'm not getting political at all, slightly, yeah. but you know, you look at some of these bills that are passed and all this money that goes to other countries, and I'm like, yeah. why are we sending money to Afghanistan for whatever reason? And why are we no, that like that that that's that's twenty million dollars we could use to get our veterans off the streets, you know, twenty million dollars here, twenty million dollars there to other countries for God knows what that could help, you know, our own infrastructure, um, and. You know, I, I, I could understand, you know, sending some money over to uh, Africa to help them with water infrastructure. You know, some of those human rights types of things, you know, I think that the United States should be helping with. But some of these other spending things just drive me nuts. <laughs> right. No, no, no. I understand. But see, what, what what's so beautiful about what we're doing and the model is that. Uh, you know, but when I jumped in, we, we were founded in 2018, Water for Mercy, okay? And as I said, I partnered with Innovation Africa, Boots on the Ground, Israeli NGO. Not only do they have this amazing technology we drill to the aquifer, but the whole model is to make themselves sustaining, okay? Like, what, what, you know, I don't, I'm not here to grow my organization and have more people and, and have a big payroll or have more staff. No, my whole philosophy is within three years, they're going to do this themselves. I'm working myself out of a job. We're teaching them and we're teaching their teachers to teach. And if you're a real do-gooder organization, you're going to not give them fish. You're going to teach them to fish and bow out. I'm sorry. This is their country. Okay. This has, it's my country, actually. I'm Afro or my continent. But, but I guess what <laughs> I'm saying is that uh, when I was doing my research, Ryan, is what I realized is a lot of these projects and all of this money that was wasted, like you say, of helping, what you end up seeing is that unfortunately it was not sustainable because you've got some great do-gooding organizations and they'll go in for a two-week for a great project, maybe a youth project, and they raise money and they put in a rinky-dink rain barrel system or a rinky-dink hand pump, you know, that they've say, raised $18,000 and blah, you know what I mean? And whatever. Yeah. And then after two weeks, they go away and they leave and they feel good and they show what they did. Well, guess what happens at the place that you just left? Something happens because guess what? It's life. There's rust. There's a breakage. There's something faulty. It doesn't work. Well, guess what? The villagers all look at each other and they're like, we have no idea how to deal with this. It's theirs. This is their system. They all shrug their shoulder. It doesn't work after a couple of months and boom, they dismantle it. They take the pieces, they sell it at the salvage. And, and, and I have to tell you, when I was doing my research, it hurt my heart when I spoke to a director of construction for a large do-gooding organization who told me that every year they would raise the same amount of money and they would go in and put in the same exact project and they would find out two months later it was broken it was it and they're back to drinking the same thing whereas you know for us and just to tell you i have to say a, a full self-sustaining water project which is a solar powered water pump system that we installed and, and with a remote monitoring system and I'll tell and I'll talk to you about that in a second and that is the beauty of the Israeli technology is that that cost $50,000 and that is not just a pump that is the whole model that is what makes uh what makes the whole model successful is that this becomes the villagers project. We guide them, but they're the ones who pick who's going to be in charge. Who's going to, where do we want the trough to be for the animals? We have nine distribution points of which there are two taps in each distribution. Where are we going to put them? Who's going to dig the trenches? Um, who's going to guard the tower at night? You know, on and on. They make those decisions. We are there we're facilitating but they are the ones they also choose how much are we going to charge they don't get the water for free we do donate it 
yes. However, it is their project and they decide as villagers because they know their community and they know, oh, wait, Joe Smith, uh, he doesn't, he can't afford it. We're only going to charge him two pennies a bucket. But wait a minute, uh, Janice, they're rich. We're going to charge them 70 cents a bucket. I mean, or we're going to charge people a month. It's a nominal amount. I mean, it's not going to break a bank. It's a nominal amount, but it's enough to keep them where they're not getting something for free. Do you get it? Because sometimes when it's for free, you don't value it as much. They keep a ledger, how much they get paid, who's paid for the money uh, or for the water, etc. So this ends up being the villagers project. We train them how to fix minor things. And the beauty of the Israeli technology is we have something called a remote monitoring system that we have gotten awards. My partner, Innovation Africa, with the engineer, they're the ones who designed it. And it was so cool because my daughter, when she interned there with them, helped develop the app, which was so cool. Okay, so now I have a button and... Every single village, every single project, we can, we have a, a live remote monitoring system where we keep track of how much wattage are they using, how much water is being pumped, you know, and, and it's beautiful. I'll, I'll, I, we, we've got the button on our website, I'll, you know, it's very cool, or I'll, or I'll send it to you. But it's so nice because you kind of see what's going on. And I have to tell you, when I was just there in November, I went to visit one of our villages. And this is what I love to say is the beauty of the technology is that we know when something goes wrong before the, before the villagers do. It just so happened uh, to the dismay of the villagers. I felt so bad for them. They were so embarrassed. I show up at like nine in the morning, unbeknownst to me, apparently at five in the morning, our engineers went there to let them know something happened at midnight. Uh, one of the solar panels is no longer there and the water pump stopped working. So our engineers show up at five in the morning by seven in the morning everything is fixed of course i show up at nine well apparently what and i'll tell you this is what's so cool about the model the protocol is is the villagers decide who's gonna guard the tower at night okay and if you're sick Who's your backup? Well, it just so happened that night, the night before I got there, the guy who was the guard was sick. And, you know, they've had this new tower. They've had this new pump for now over, I think, a month and a half. And everything's going smoothly and they've been good stewards of the water. So this guy kind of felt like, eh, I don't need to really follow the protocol. I don't really need to find a backup for me. Eh, no one will know I'm sick. Okay, well, guess what? Someone knew because what happened an hour later or whatever, one of those little small solar panels was taken, was stolen, so to speak. Okay, well, guess what? The system didn't work. We knew about it. And much to the embarrassment of these villagers, it was, uh, you know, they because they have to pay for it. Okay, so this comes out of their kitty. And, you know, at the time they didn't know who did it, but let me tell you, they got into a, an investigation and it ended up being like some little kid who kind of climbed up there and decided to take a solar panel that he could use to charge his little cell phone, you know, but guess oh, what? Man. That little kid will never do this again. But this is the checks and balances. This is their system. They knew that this is their ownership and now that now they know the the importance of following the models okay so i said yeah it's, no i I, I love the model because you know having yeah. uh having folks uh responsible for their own you know social their so their own social responsibilities right uh you yes. know making sure that you know it's all on them i think that's also part of the you know economic growth that you're 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 yeah. looking at and farming growth and you right. know starting starting with the water you know right. and then and then having the water to be able to then get into the farming and i i love right. the, i love that you guys te teach drip irrigation and yes um, obviously and that's, that's the next phase and yeah. that's what i was going to talk to you and, and what's great about this the sense of ownership ryan and you know this and if you have kids they know this when they do it themselves wow they kind of feel like wow 
I did this. You know what I mean? Like there's that, <laughs> there's that yeah. dignity. There, their yeah, shoulders se- stand se- up straighter. My seven year old is just constantly telling my dad, I don't need any help. I can do it myself. Right. right. <laughs> and let me tell you, that's amazing. What a great quality. You want that. And guess what? That is what they want. And I have to tell you, Ryan, I am embarrassed to say that unfortunately, um, we have not done that. We have not been very good um, givers uh, to Africa because we've enabled them to kind of like say, what's the point of working? I'm going to get a handout. OK, and, and, and I don't want to, you know, like and that's where you don't want to give them things. You want to teach them to do it themselves. Okay, and um, and and I want to stick to you know the the next phase when we see that they're good stewards of their water, and they keep track of their ledgers and so forth, and then they're motivated. Okay, and and, and I'll have to tell you, I mentioned that you know we have like uh, nine, ten distribution points, of which each distribution point throughout the village, depending on how big it is, they have two taps and then that's where the the villagers line up to get their water how many times a day however they decide well as you know whenever you turn on water there's always splashing right okay so what we see is that wherever they're splashing whoever's living next to these taps extremely innovative with this water they're using this water to start making bricks now they're making bricks now their homes are no longer mud huts now they're living in bricks and now wow now they're making more bricks bricks now they're selling bricks now they've got a garden now they're selling but you know so what we see is that in a six six month time frame we see what these villagers are doing okay and what what we typically do is that we don't pick i mean you know we have a criteria actually my boots on the ground innovation africa we have a great criteria as to how we pick villages and how we vet them and one of the things is that a motivation to go from poverty and dying to third of dying to thirst to economic prosperity and not just economic subsistence i'm talking about economic prosperity okay and i'm going to talk to you about now the next phase phase two drip irrigation and farming and the israeli know-how wow okay and this is how the israelis have really you know flowered the desert because i've learned about the technology including drip irrigation okay so when the villagers are ready to put in drip irrigation that is an additional twenty five thousand dollars and the, and we bring in our agronomists, you know, and we teach them the proper way of farming as well as we utilize the technology of drip irrigation. And just to tell you and your listeners what drip is in, in case they don't know, imagine kind of like a hose and a hose with a bunch of little tiny prick holes uh, of this hose. And these holes are strategic, these prick, these pin holes are strategically placed where this tiny little drop of water is going directly onto the root of the plant it is optimal optimal meaning it uses the least amount of water and the result is the highest most amazing plant okay what i've learned about plants okay is that they're just like people you know they we are, they get stressed you overfeed them with water they're stressed you underfeed them with water they're stressed you give them just around an amount they're wow their shoulders are back they flourish they grow and, and, and that's kind of how the israel learned about drip irrigation it was basically this pinhole in the middle of this hose and the, the 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 guy who invented it was like wait a minute how come this tree is like four feet higher than all the others it was planted at the same time and that's how drip was was uh, discovered in the 1950s in israel okay so through drip irrigation optimal optimal water least 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 amount of water which is ideal for africa because there's not much water you don't want to waste it as well as the most amount of flourish the other thing i learned about israeli technology is also the knowledge and the no the 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 technique 
and how they're able to, like there's hybrid seeds, okay? And, and when you look at how um, they can, we, we control the weather with the nurse uh, nurseries, okay? So it's beautiful. And with me being an MBA, by us being able to, so to speak, control the weather, we're now able to sell these crops uh, at uh, better market value so that when everybody is waiting for the rain, for the tomatoes, we're growing something else, okay? And so that when everybody else is selling tomatoes for 20 cents, we're selling okra at a premium price. You know, so again, with the supply and demand, we're able to utilize uh, the technology, but getting back to this technology and the know-how, I'm telling you, Ryan, when I was in Israel, I see it with my own eyes eyes and I'm thinking wait a minute do I have these decimals in the wrong places they're telling me and I'm learning this stuff a tomato plant that we grow okay a tomato plant we grow will maybe yield 20 tomatoes okay the Israeli optimal way that same tomato plant will yield about 70 to 120 tomatoes optimal Okay, the way it is hoisted. I mean, like, and this is the beauty of what we're doing now with the, the, the teaching the teachers to teach with the next thing I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. But when I saw it in my own eyes in Israel, I saw a row of, okay, this is how the Americans do it. Okay, this is how the Israelis do it. Oh, this is how the people in uh, the Netherlands do it. And this is how the Germans do it, which is they're supposedly better. And then you realize, wow, what a difference. What a difference. You're talking about night and day. We don't even come close to Israel. Okay, and not just in plants. And you know what I learned is agriculture encompasses both horticulture, which is plants, as well as animal husbandry and uh, byproducts like eggs, chicken, pigs, fisheries, and cows and milk. Same thing with the byproducts of eggs or the cows. The cows that normally yield 10 liters now yield 70 liters. The eggs that maybe only produce, you know, four or five, you know, eggs, they're now producing 30 eggs. You know, it's kind of like, and when I was there, I'm like, no, no, no. These numbers don't make sense. These don't make sense. But I saw it with my own eyes and I drove around. And anyways, and and. So obviously, as my MBA brain kicked in, what you realize is what exactly is optimal. I love that word optimal because now you can have the, the, the least amount of land or you don't need to have hundreds of acres of land. You can really make money and a nice lot of land and utilize the hybrid seeds and yield amazing, bountiful uh, uh, crops as, as well as animals and fish and, and byproducts and so forth and really make money. Okay, mm -hmm. and 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 this is what I saw. And let me tell you, our villagers now are motivated. They get up at five in the morning. The first picture I got was like <laughs> a, a year ago. They could not believe how much money they made selling onions. Okay, they were selling onions and nobody else were selling onions. And what's so cool is that apparently there was a need for onion, top dollar for these onions. They, with that money, they took that money, invested it to build more land. And then now they, they sent me a picture of the abundance of the watermelons. And you know, and, and the buyers now that come in realize that these fruit are optimal. They're sweet, they're delicious, they're big and they are abundant so they also can warrant some of the better prices than their competitors so talk about a win 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 okay so this is how we make these villagers independent okay and then we take water for mercy now is taking it the third step which is isn't that funny coming i'm coming back to full circle which is education okay and that's why i said education is a noble thing however that was not the root of the problem the root of the problem was water once we bring them water then they can drink and eat and then now they're eating now they're healthier they can think better they're growing you know they don't have anemia they don't have scurvy they're not yeah you know what i mean they're like they could go to school and so forth so now that you're eating better and drinking better now you can focus on 
education. And now this is what we're doing with the partnership now, this coalition made in heaven, which only God could do, which is what I'm going to go to Africa or Tanzania for next week. We are launching uh, ATEC, which is the Agricultural Innovation and Technology Center. I have partnered with the largest and the greatest uh, technical vocational school in the country and in Africa, of course, which is Don Bosco Technical Institutes of Africa. And I'll give you a little background of them, which is a perfect model, as well as our Israeli partnership. And kind of like, um, I'm telling you, Ryan, I I kind of realized that we have to share this knowledge and the beauty is is that the israeli my israeli partners and israel in, in general wow they have it and they they have they share the same heart they want they want people to flourish like they do and when they realize that we can share the knowledge and we're going to teach the teachers to teach they were ecstatic so we put together this curriculum and now we're implementing it to share the knowledge to not only teach the teachers but we're also teaching the current farmers and the current local um um uh, companies uh, because what you find out is that the knowledge of agriculture is not as optimal as it could be with the Israeli knowledge okay and unfortunately that is what has kept Africa at a sub or you know at a sub sustaining level people are just barely surviving they're not thriving and I like to go back to my logo with the heart I have the heart which is the faucet and I like to say that is God's love which is through God and his love who touches hearts it's a faucet Uh, bringing water which is making bringing the blue water to the dry Africa and making it green and let me tell you this green the green is uh, basically um, what makes it uh, not just green but green also with money money and that's (laughs) what we want Africa to is to flourish Wow, that's so awesome. This is, we're Nermeen. launching with the schools, um, which is amazing. Yeah, and, Nermeen, uh, what what a great story. I mean, you 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 guys are doing some amazing things and I definitely love uh, you know, the model you've put together with your three different phases and how you're approaching that and uh, you know, with your mission, upholding human dignity, ending thirst, hunger, and poverty. Uh, I, I think that's fantastic uh, and, a, and a wonderful economic opportunity for, you know, the people of Africa and kudos to you for all the things that you're doing. There. Thank you, but we do need support and we do need donations. So if people would like to go to our website, water, the number four, mercy.org. And there's a plethora of information and uh, uh, we need donations and support. (laughs) Absolutely. You guys are listening. Make sure you go to water, the number four mercy.org. Go check out their organization and, you know, drop them a few bucks to help Africa get some water. uh, So little kids don't have to drink muddy water. I mean, uh, that's something that I think maybe all of us could donate a couple of bucks to. Uh, Definitely. Y'all just got your stimuluses. Go, go, (laughs) go. Go give a couple of bucks to Water for Mercy. Uh, go, go, go! Help out the people of Africa. Uh, and and I want I want to thank Nermeen for being on the show today. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you got a lot of going on. You're going to Africa next week and <clears throat> getting all those things ready for um, you know the uh, Don Bosco Technical Institutes of Africa uh, and and the, and that that cool uh, coalition that you guys have going on. So uh, kudos yes. to you on all those. Uh, we. Well, I'll send you an invitation and I'd love you to come join us sometime in Africa, Ryan. I, we, we will, oh, you will have an amazing experience that will change your life forever. I promise, but it will be amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Well, we'll have to see how everything goes after we get rid of COVID and uh, yes. things get back to normal. But yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come to Africa and see what you guys are doing and what you're all about. Um, I, 
I'm a, I'm a big fan of science and engineering and uh, all things technology. So you know the uh, solar powered water pumped uh, water from the ta- uh, from the water table sounds like a very cool thing to to go check out. So I'll, I'll mm-hmm. definitely have to take you up on that. And definitely thank you for being on Finding Your Frequency. And uh, you guys can find uh, Finding Your Frequency uh, all over the place on Apple Podcast, uh, iTunes. If you're on a Windows machine, and then of course you can check it out on Google Podcast. Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many other different locations. And of course, we're always on at voiceamerica.com. Just click on the variety channel and search for Finding Your Frequency. You'll find us there. Uh, We're uh, every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern right here on Voice America. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm Ryan Treasure. And y'all, make sure, drink that water. Very important most important thing you get. Hey, what's up, everybody? So glad you tuned into the show today. What a great show it is. Like I said earlier in the show, at the end, I was going to give you some more information on our live stereo session on the stereo app. Stereo app users can engage with the platform to listen in, seek out topics, and join conversations about issues and ideas that interest them. There is no lack of content on that application. You can flip through many conversations, ask questions, join ones, make your own wide-ranging topics on stereo comedy pop culture lifestyle sports business technology the app can be downloaded for free by apple and android users once users download the app they'll be able to create an avatar and a profile (laughs) i had so much fun making my avatar it was super cool users can submit the audio messages to hosts of conversations to join those conversations in real time Finding Your Frequency will have a live audience interactive episode on Stereo. We're going to be doing this every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on the Stereo app. Again, Finding Your Frequency is going to be having a live audience interactive episode every week, Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to do question and answers. We're going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about how people found their frequency in life and in business and why they decided to do what they do and take questions from people that are listening to the show and allow you guys to engage with us. And I really hope to see you on Stereo. Again, Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1 live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. So again, come to Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1. Once you get in there, follow me and make sure you guys tune into the show. Thanks for listening.